Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. <clears throat> Today, we welcome back Scott Pope. Um, Scott's the founder of InScope Ventures. So as we learned from Scott last week, he is working to build the healthcare entrepreneur community here in Charlotte. Um, he's been working on it publicly since the beginning of 2018, and he held his second of two events on July 17th, which I was able to attend. It's the NC Health Innovators, which you can find on Meetup. Um, standing room only at the back, so there's certainly an interest from people in the medical community so, to support Scott right now. So in this week's interview, I wanted to you know, continue on some of the themes that we talked about last week, expand on them, and de- um, dive into some deeper areas. So I pressed Scott a little bit more on why he doesn't just move to the triangle, where there's more healthcare stuff. Um, he also talked a little bit about um, HCA in Nashville, and I wanted to find out, you know, his thoughts on whether or not Premier, with Premier having gone public within the last couple of years, could be the HCA for Charlotte. So we talk a little bit about the acquisition strategy of Premier right now. Um, we, you know, blatantly ask him, does he have enough support within the community right now? Um, and talk a little bit about that. So we talk about the players that he's got support from, you know, is he, does he have the support that he needs from UNC Charlotte and Davidson and the Charlotte City Council and shoot from the Charlotte Business Journal and the Charlotte Observer, right? So, um, and then, you know, we dive into a couple last minute things as well. You know, this obviously will eventually need its own venture fund or angel fund. Um, is he, is, is that a role for him to fill? We talk a little bit about how he's making money while he continues to build out this community. And then we kind of end with some conversations around whether or not Charlotte can attract companies that already exist. So nice round conversation. Um, certainly hope you uh, enjoy it. And, you know, again, look for it on Meetup and make it out to the next event if this is an area of interest for you. I know Scott would certainly welcome and support um, any interest or any additional players into the community at this point in time. So hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Charlotte Angel Connection. So Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for sticking around a few extra minutes with us. You're absolutely welcome. So we finished up there uh, kind of in a back and forth a little bit on the community. Um, and so let's stay there a little bit and talk about Charlotte. Um or maybe let's get off of Charlotte for a second and think, you're right here in North Carolina. You're three hours away. You've already lived in Greensboro once in your life. You can go an hour east and be in the triangle where you've got great research institutions between, uh, well, at least one great research institution at Duke and Carolina. You know, it is what it is. Um, But you could go there and do this. Um, and one might argue it'd be a little bit easier just because you've got some systems in place. I'll go back and say again, why bring it to the community in Charlotte? 
Charlotte is home, home for me. Yeah. Uh, and we have, my wife and I have no intentions of, of leaving Charlotte. We, we came here on purpose. You don't like the color baby blue either, do you? <laughs> so I did residence, <laughs> my second residency was at Duke, uh, and I specialized in infectious diseases, internal medicine, academics. Yeah. Uh, it was funded through Campbell University, but I practiced on site at Duke. And, you know, being from Central High originally, I, I didn't have an alliance to a, an ACC team down here. Yeah. Um, but when I did residency at Duke, every time Duke would lose a basketball game, I had Wolfpack, I had uh, Demon Deacons, I had Tar Heels just attacking me from yeah. all angles. I was like, well, this isn't really, I'm not even a fan. Yeah. Right? And Duke loses like two games a season. Yeah. And I'm just taking all the heat. So I was, that's, I'm done with that, man. I'm, I'm buying a shirt and I'm officially a Duke fan because I'm going to take all the wins. Yeah. Instead of just taking all the abuse and the heat. So, yes, I am uh, uh, I am a, a Duke fan okay. and uh, part of the Krzyzewski uh, alliance here. Okay. Uh, for sure. So um, why not take it? I mean, again, why here instead of there? Yeah. So I think there is there is a good ecosystem. And with regard to pharmaceutical innovation yeah. um, and in, in the Raleigh RTP area, what we've actually looked at here just since we did our event in June was actually looked at taking some of the same, you know, build, uh, identify, and engage model with uh, NC Health Innovators and actually take some of that into the Raleigh market as well, um, where they have a great ecosystem as it relates to pharmaceutical innovation. I think there's also some grassroots around, um, you know, earlier stage entrepreneurship in healthcare and seeing what, you know, what that DNA might look like for, for Raleigh, whether that's also business of healthcare innovation or some other dynamic or, or sub-vertical within healthcare, uh, we're actually looking at exploring taking this uh, similar movement to that we're doing here in Charlotte to, to Raleigh as well. When you, you look at the, the model that we have, it, I think it can be applied to lots of secondary spaces. But what's really important to me right now is making sure that we figure out this widget in Charlotte uh, and, and do it well. As it relates to the, the jerseys and the alliances, being from Central Ohio, I brought up as a Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. Um, they started by leaving me um, and going to Baltimore when I was in college. Yeah. Right. Those key years of getting to watch, you know, s- Sunday afternoon football when I'm in college, and I all of a sudden didn't have a team. Yeah. Um, and then what? What did Baltimore end up doing? They went won a Super Bowl. Yes, they did. Just to just twist the screws and yeah. stab me in the back even more. So I got down here, uh, we moved down here to Charlotte in 2004 and quickly bought a D'Angelo Williams jersey yeah. and became a Panther fan. So I had an AFC-NFC uh, alliance um, and three years ago, I kicked the Browns to the curb. I had a Tim Couch jersey. Yeah. Of all, What's, all that What's that thing worth? Since that number 19 Browns jersey, there's not been another good one yeah. since, since Bernie Kozar. Um, so I gave my, my Tim Couch jersey away to a good friend of mine uh, in Columbus. I said, done. Done. Yeah. I'm done. Well, welcome. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm full on uh, Hornets. I'm full on uh, Panthers, uh, Knights, and you know, committed to this community. And I, I really do. I, I believe that the, the infrastructure and ecosystem is here. I think it just needs a little bit more focus and for it to behave in a, a different way in a more collegial fashion. And I think people can start to, you know, see Charlotte as being revered as that um, 
business innovator in healthcare. We talked about it. You talked about it a little bit earlier. You were mentioning um, Premier, and you know, being one of those kind of anchor type folks. You've got Premier, you've got Atrium, you've got Carolina Healthcare, you've got some others and stuff like that. But your bigger entities here in Charlotte, um, and then you mentioned HCA um, being kind of that catalyst in Nashville. Can Premier be that for Charlotte? I really think they can be. When you look at the, you know. Premier has its reputation. I spent nine and a half years there and um, have lots of uh, great connections and have a lot of respect and pride for what that organization has become. When um, Premier's reputation in the industry is that they're a group purchasing organization, right? So, and that's where they got their start. Uh, a number of hospitals and health systems came together and said, we need to leverage our buying power together um, to create economies of scale and, and buy stuff. And that's basically how Premier, you know, the very Cliff's Notes version, but that's how Premier got its start, and that's how they're known in the industry today, mostly as being a group purchasing organization that helps uh, health systems buy everything from from pharmaceuticals to medical devices to elevator shafts to uh, landscape contracts to. Um, yeah, I'll p- ask you a question since I'm uh, the one being interviewed. Let me throw a question back to you. That's fair. Um, number one supplier for for the Premier organization. It's actually a food food service organization. Okay. Wow. Right. So every hospital and health system is is purchasing food service. So okay. um, I was going to go toilet paper. You were going to yeah. go a totally different route, yeah, right? Uh, right. So I, the other side of the food. I should have just sat here. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't have bailed you out. Um, right. So, but that's where Premier has its roots is in group purchasing. Yeah. But they also have a very large business, you know, on the other side of their house called Performance Services, where they've got uh, informatics tools and solutions that they provide back to hospitals and health systems. They've got consulting solutions that help with, you know, really coming into the Affordable Care Act and population health and macro and MIPS and, and getting to that next level and uh, getting away from the, the fee-for-service and inter- into alternative payment models. They've got an amazing, uh, uh, especially pharmacy and integrated pharmacy solution, uh, you know, above and beyond just the uh, inpatient hospital solution. So. When you look at what Premier has in terms of their their infrastructure, their solution sets, their mentality and approach to really improving the quality of care and reducing the cost and having that innovative mindset, I, Charlotte's very fortunate to have Premier as one of our anchor tenants. What's their and, acquisition strategy like right now? Are they are they growth by acquisition or are they mainly still in a, a growth through internal structure at this present, present time? I don't know that I'm the right person to, to answer that question. Yeah. You, know, you can certainly look at their you know their press releases and see some of the the acquisitions that they've done. I was fortunate to be part of a, a couple of those uh, when I was when I was there at Premier. They uh, the the culture did change uh, quite significantly. So I started there in '07 and we were a, a privately held company that was 100% owned by hospitals and health systems. Yeah, uh, and then the when. Premier went to the their IPO. They did what was called a controlled IPO. Okay. Which are you familiar with a, what a controlled IPO? I'm not. Right. So, number of investors that I've met that have no idea what a controlled IPO is, they basically only put a, a small percentage of their their shares on the market and left others with their existing stakeholders. Okay. That were the hospitals and health systems. So, don't hold me to the numbers, but I want to say that they put out somewhere between twenty and thirty percent okay. of their stock, and you know somewhere between seventy and eighty percent was still owned by 
shareholders. The shareholders that were the not-for-profit hospitals and health systems around the U.S. Um, they've part of their structure was to, you know, help the health systems with their balance sheets to be able to recognize the asset that they had in ownership of Premier. Yep. And they gave them a monetary value of that. Gotcha. Um, some of those uh, systems have taken advantage of the asset that they had and liquidated some of their shares. Makes sense. Premier's got a very you know good strategy to to control how that's. Uh, so there's not really necessarily a cliff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all that's publicly available information on how they're they're attacking that. So no, no in, insider insight there. But the, um, their culture and their balance sheet changed dramatically at that IPO, and it changed the way that we would organically go about creating things versus being able to amortize stuff through acquisition. And um, they've made a number of of great acquisitions. You know with um, with Theradoc, with um, uh, a number of different organizations that they've acquired over the years. And I, I think they can be a huge advocate and um, voice of, of change and help to build some of that reputation here in Premier uh, around that innovation. So, I mean, that's what you'd want to see, right? You'd want to see them making acquisitions, which would attract entrepreneurs into Charlotte because they'd have easier access to those decision makers be able to knock on their door on a regular basis, et cetera, et cetera, right? I think I want that of of Premier and of all the, the community, those anchor tenants here in Charlotte. I I don't expect any of those anchor tenants to to kind of stand up and say, anyone who's got a, a net new company here in Charlotte will do business with you. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's pretty ludicrous to think that. But I do want them to have open doors and say, We'll we'll meet with you. Yeah. You know, I'll give you I'll give anyone thirty minutes. And if I'm a good fit, then let's go to the next hour meeting and let's continue charges forward. But if I'm not a good fit, I'm going to tell you why I'm not a good fit. Yeah. You know, for an, an atrium to, to look at a, a new company and say, man, that's a, a great solution you've got. You need to go work with critical access hospitals. Yeah. Right? You're a much smaller solution or you need to be in a completely different vertical that we're not participating in right now. You're just not a good fit. And, and here's why. But. I'm happy to introduce you to a couple people I know on that that side of healthcare. Um, to have that collegial mindset, and I, I think there's there is some of that exists that within our anchor tenants, but for more of that and to be more transparent and and available uh, is something I think the community, the startup community, is looking for. So we touched on it a little bit, but um, in the first podcast, this isn't uh, this isn't easy. It's it's complex, right? Um, and you said you're getting community support um, in terms of you had the conference in June where you know a lot of people raised their hand and said they're willing to help you push this thing forward. Um, are you? Do you think you're getting enough of it yet, or is it too young to really be able to know? I think it's too young to know. But that said, the initial energy and and push that we've gotten has yeah. really been remarkable. You look at some of the organizations that uh, participated in that June session, and there's a lot of them that were you know, specifically focused in healthcare, but there's others that just have healthcare as um, uh, one of the side verticals they operate in. Yeah. Um, Skookum is a you know digital design company that was uh, participated and represented, and healthcare is just one of the things that they do and innovate in. Do you do you have to sell this to the city council? Is this something you need their buy-in from, Scott? I mean, UNC Charlotte. Uh, Davidson. I mean, are you are you in those rooms having those conversations, or is that not what you need yet? 
So I would love access to UNC Charlotte. I love, love access to Davidson. Um, you know, some of the, the Launch Lake Norman movement that they've got started up there right on campus at Davidson is something I'd, I'd like to tap into um, that I've not really got plugged into yet. Um, I have met with the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. And I think the Chamber of Commerce supports the movement. Yeah. And there, I think the place where they're at, just in the, the youth of the movement, if you will, looking for the right way to be a, a good asset to push this forward uh, and how they can help. Uh, Charlotte USA has, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've had some early, very early discussions with them, and I think there's uh, potentially some support there and, and potential involvement. Um, but I, I honestly don't know what, what, the, what the right role for those, you know, those organizations would be right now. The potential to bring capital to the movement um, and more attention is – I think would be great if they're able to do that. When you say capital, is that capital to help you push it, or is that capital for the companies? A little bit of both. Um, you know, the I think the companies are the ones that are going to need more access to the capital. Um, you know, this I mentioned in the earlier session. This is a labor of love for me. If there was potential to get access, that you know, Charlotte saw what I was doing as something that was really valuable to the city, in in bringing entrepreneurship here and bringing jobs to the community, then. You know, it would be great to be able to identify that there were resources available for me to really dedicate more time to doing this as opposed to being um, a, a philanthropic movement that I'm doing. Um, no, I'd kind of leave it to that. Okay. Um, can we, so let's focus on the company side of things for a few minutes and then circle back around to you. Um, can we attract medical capital right now we're just now starting to i think have the ability to attract um fintech capital um you and i had lunch a couple weeks ago and we talked about the struggles of charlotte angel fund and venture south and idea fund not really throwing a bunch into the charlotte ecosystem can there's a lot of money in the medical profession, right? Can we attract some of that money here locally within the profession to invest in these companies? If so, how's that going to be done? Yeah, I think the answer is yes in the long term. You you look at where you know, people tend to invest their money where they made their money. Well, there's a lot of doctors here, right? Right, there are. Um, but the, the overwhelming majority of the wealth that was here in in Charlotte wasn't necessarily made through entrepreneurship necessarily and you know was more from the the banking and energy side of the the world um, the I think what Charlotte probably needs and we can we can probably debate this you know for hours on end a little bit of chicken or the egg yeah of do we need you know a, an earlier stage company to really hit and you know do exceedingly well and get to an IPO and have early stage investors feel that they they missed out on an investment opportunity here in Charlotte because they weren't, you know, purely dialed into this this ecosystem that we have. Um, or do you need the capital first? You need some type of you know investment fund to say we see all the things that, that Scott Pope sees right now yeah. and we need to start that fund dedicated in the healthcare sector because that ecosystem exists and the anchors are here in early stage companies and we see that movement happening in order to attract more companies. Um, I don't know that I've got the, the answer to that either. Kind of, um, you know, people say the same thing about the fintech community, right? 
and you know, my natural reaction is Lending Tree's been public for how long now? Um, I mean, that ship has, has long sailed. I mean, same thing with Premier, right? I mean, they've now been public for what, four years? Yeah, it's longer. I think uh, so, you know, there's already been that success, and yet people say we need a success. And so, and I know Premier wasn't investor funded, right? It was funded by um, existing hospital systems. But the success has been created here. People have already missed it. Um, so, can we champion that around and get some people to say, look, I mean, this is a, it's a large, it's a, um, it's a big company that's already public here in Charlotte. Yeah, I think there's there there's some of that of you know kind of identifying the successes that have already happened and, and really uh, not exploiting them, but you know drawing attention to them that they they have existed. Exploit by all means, Ex- exploit. Exploit it. Yeah. Exploit the the heck out of it. Yeah. Go to town. Um, so yeah, maybe we do need to exploit that a little bit more and and shine that light. I mean, that's part of what this rising tide is about is drawing attention to some of those those types of things um, and identifying those. Okay. Will you help showcase some of these companies? Is that part of what you're doing to help them raise capital? Um, coach, guide, et cetera, et cetera, on the capital raise process, introduce them to people, um, show them around country, et cetera, et cetera? So doing that showcase and putting them on stage and, and getting them exposure and access is absolutely part of, of what I'm doing with Inscope Ventures and with NC Health Innovators. Okay. Um, the event we did on June 7th, we had four companies that participated with us. I've mentioned Digitize and ReadyPay. Uh, Tavia, um, which is mytavia.com, and then Mako Medical Labs were the other two mm-hmm. um, that we've uh, that we promoted there. We're looking to, to showcase a few more uh, at our event on July 17th, and you know, getting those companies access to exposure here in Charlotte and on broader stages is is part of that strategy to um, to shine that light. And whether that's as we mentioned in the earlier session, sometimes they need access to capital, sometimes they just need access to customers. Yeah. Right, I just need you to open doors for me. I, I think I've got enough working capital to go. You look at, uh, you know, an organization like uh, another one here in Charlotte, Engage Practice Solutions, okay. uh, relatively early stage company, very small. Uh, they've been up for a couple of years now, but they've, you know, got a, a dozen or so customers, and they need doors open. Yeah. Um, they aren't looking for you know to do a raise or to to dilute where they're at. They just need at bats. Yeah. And you know, those yeah, are things that. Shape. Yeah, exactly, and th- and those are things that we can help them, help them do through through our network, through um, community events, etc. So yeah, we're definitely trying to get those those companies whatever resources they need may be, whether I can provide them or, you know, I provide them through an introduction is is what I'm what I'm about. What you're doing is almost venture capital like without having a venture capital fund in place. Do you see yourself, and I know you said it earlier, not really, but I'm going to ask you again a different way. Do you see yourself setting up a venture fund? Um, so I don't have my Series 7, so I don't look great in orange, so yeah. I am not a, a venture capital company. Yeah. Um, the, the potential to do something on the investment front down the road, I think, is, is in the cards. I, I've had more than one person tell me that I that Scott Pope needs to start a healthcare investment fund yeah. here in Charlotte, and... Uh, I had one individual who happens to be here in the room tell me not to start a small fund because that's a great way to run your yourself into the ground. Yeah. Um, so I have no desire to, to do that. And I don't know that I've 
um, got the pedigree yet to do a large fund, uh, being what it is. Sam, you shouldn't say such bad things about starting a small fund. That's right. right. Come on, Sam. <laughs> Come on, Sam. I mean, I've got white in my beard here. Don't don't insult the old old guy in the room. Yeah. Um, but the uh, not so. I'm not one to close many doors. Yeah. And if if a fund is what this ecosystem needs, and I really identify that that's the missing link, and I can't find anybody who's, uh, you know eager to jump in and stand that up, then that's something I would absolutely press forward on. I, I don't have clarity on that being a, a key missing link right now, but yeah. you talk to me next month and that, that may have changed and I may be, you know, signing up to, to do the right paperwork and get the certifications to, to charge on that path. Well, for somebody that um, was not encouraged not to go to business school, um, was able to pass some of those series tests that you're talking about. So I think you, I think you'd be able to knock those doors down pretty fast. Thank you. Um, what um, kind of on that same note though, you've mentioned it a couple of times: labor of love, philanthropy. Um, but at the end of the day, the grocery store is not philanthropic to you. Um, the gas station isn't philanthropic to you. Um, you've got to make money in some way, shape, or form as well, right? Um, how are you doing that while pushing this through? You know, I, I try to, um, we have two daughters, as I mentioned, nine and six. And I tried to feed them karma for breakfast a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, they just weren't full. It didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, you know, and Wells Fargo, God bless them, they have a specific date on the calendar. Yeah. Every month that they want me to pay that mortgage. It's, yeah. You know, it's fascinating. And they get pretty upset uh, if, you don't. if you miss that date. Um, so yeah, there there is um, uh, there are cash flow considerations in my household that we yes. have to yeah. have to live up to. Uh, and my Inscope Ventures business uh, is helping to to do that. We work on a, a couple different fronts. From um, as I mentioned at, at the outset of the first first uh, portion of our podcast here. Um, Helping them grow through, you know, go-to-market strategies and revenue growth um, is where I, I make that money. I work on retainer basis, work on success fee basis, work on equity basis, and, and balance those three levers out based on where the companies are. Um, when you I'm do able to small up. and mid-sized too, right? So you're helping out a digitize, but you're also helping out a larger stage company as they go through transitions as well. That's right. That's okay. right. Um, potential to bring some of those companies to Charlotte. Um, that's not it's not a small company. I mean, can Charlotte be a destination here as well for established companies in addition to small companies? Absolutely. I, th- I think that's part of this this rising tide movement that I'm trying to create is is to to create that sense of community that people want to be part of and and feel like access to the resources and that connectivity is are really conducive to successful business and you know for people to look at. Um, you know, other smaller markets and say, man, I, I can't do this in Wilmington. I, we really need to, up, you know, pick up and move to, to Charlotte. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's, we mentioned a, a digitize, you know, here's an artificial intelligence company that's right here at the corner of Trade and Tryon. Yeah. And they're, you know, looking at the, the landscape they have and say, do I have to move to Silicon Valley, you know, to get to the next level of where our company needs to be? Um, and I think they're very uh, committed and dedicated here to Charlotte. But as as a growing company, and you know, the executive leadership they have there, they have to make some very difficult decisions. And um, I think Digitize was quick to jump on board with the movement we have with 
NC Health Innovators around creating this ecosystem here because if they had their druthers, they would they don't want to leave, right? They want to have that ecosystem here that then can provide everything they need to grow from you know access to capital to getting the right people and, and then you know the tech leadership and the tech hands on that can do a lot of their heavy lifting. Um, those companies want to stay. They sure as heck don't want to go to San Francisco. I mean, I saw the report yesterday that one hundred seven thousand dollars of household income in San Francisco qualifies you as poor. Um, that is not the case in Charlotte. Your dollar goes a wee bit further than that, correct? It does. Yeah, I actually worked in, in San Francisco uh, for about six months, uh, eight months in, uh, in 2017 yeah. and flying cross country. It was, it was very expensive yeah. uh, living out there in San Francisco and the you know, cost of living here is, is much more affordable and for me in particular, when, when my five-year-old daughter, she was five at the time, looked at me and said, Dad, why can't you work here in Charlotte with us? Uh, it'll just it'll just melt your heart, and you yeah. definitely want to stay here, stay here local. Absolutely. No, it's good. Those digitized guys and the other companies that you've mentioned are good companies as well. What doors do you need open right now? So one of the biggest ones that um, that came up is, is access to capital. Right. I think the the medical school issue isn't one that I'm uh, dialed in enough to solve. I don't know that it's a problem that needs to be solved um, for this innovation in business, uh, the, you know, the business of healthcare to come to fruition. Um, but I do think access to capital is something that that needs to be resolved. And quite honestly, it's going to take a lot of people to to rally around that to to solve some of that that issue. Um, you know, we had mentioned earlier, I think you had brought up the idea of a, an incubator accelerator, um, you know, for for an organization here in Charlotte to open the doors and say, you know, we're, we want to, you know, take the third floor of our building and, and create that uh, and, and, and be that space. Uh, that, that could be something that, that Charlotte could really benefit from. You know, Abbott Exchange has a tremendous story from a VC-backed company and yeah. uh, the space that they've grown and, you know, the movement and in, in they work in the healthcare vertical as well. You know, I think Avid Exchange is a, is a great advocate for entrepreneurship and they have an open door policy on a lot of their, you know, their office space, conference space, because they struggled for years getting out of the gate. Yeah. How difficult it was to find space and, you know, just to host, you know, I mentioned our June 7th event, Ortho Carolina hosted. We were looking down the barrel of spending, you know, between three and $5,000 to have space for 40 people to come. Yeah. And, you know, when Blair Primus raised his hand and said, I love your movement. I love where you're going. We want to be part of it. it man, it was just a huge relief. Even, you know, even something that small to help support this. Uh, Louis Foreman, you know, is doing our second one in, in Ventus. You know, they got Edison Nation, Edison Nation Medical. So they, you know, work in the healthcare sector. You know, those types of companies to feel like they're part of this. Mark Weber was part of our event June seventh. Um, he, you know, helps support the C20. Okay. It is a really remarkable uh, organization here that does tremendous things for um, you know, early stage companies that are helping the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area. Yeah. Uh, and a, a great infrastructure, great program they put together that culminates in a fantastic evening where every, you know, an audience of, uh, you know, several hundred people get to vote yeah. on who wins the pitch event and, yeah. and gets the money. Uh, was uh, fantastic. So you need, you need those uh, those people feel like they're part of this and to continue to help open other doors for us too. There's an article in the Charlotte Business Journal last week about um, can Charlotte become an energy hub? 
Um, and I think that foregone conclusion kind of was it's becoming a fintech hub. Um, does the Charlotte community need to recognize that it can become a med business hub as well? Um, I mean, is that an article that essentially needs to be written in the next six months too, Scott? Yeah, I don't know what other word to use to say this, but yes, yeah, it really does. And but it, but in full transparency, in in January of this year, I I wanted to stand up and be part of that you know healthcare entrepreneurship ecosystem in Charlotte. And what I quickly found was there's not really a community, and when there's not a community, the, there's no community to say this is our calling card. Yeah, and even for me knowing. And I've been in Charlotte, you know, since 2014 or 2004, excuse me, and having all that exposure and worked at, you know, worked at Carolina's healthcare system, worked at Premier. Um, my wife gave birth to both of our dollars at Novant. Like, yeah. I've we've kind of been in the area, and it wasn't until a couple weeks ago that I, it even occurred to me that Charlotte deserves a reputation for an, you know, a reputation of innovation in the business of healthcare. Yeah. And it, but once you hear it and once you say it, you're like, yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. Yeah. And so I, I do think that article needs to be written. I think the, you know, the, it would be great if the chamber embraced some of that that movement and you know Charlotte Business Journal and the Observer and you know we we start to pound our chest and, and really stand up and own that. I think it's absolutely what Charlotte needs right now to continue that next step of this movement. Awesome. So um, I've enjoyed the last hour plus. So I think you're... It's been okay. Yeah, it's been okay. So That's fair. Um, most people probably say that for hanging out with me for an hour plus. Um, well, I did most of the talking. That's so. fair. <laughs> fair enough. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you pointed out earlier, you're, um, I think you're the, the perfect champion for this flag right now. Uh, I wish you had nothing but the best. Um, we've created a couple of different items that the community needs to rally around you for over the course of the next couple months. And hopefully we um, collectively as the community and I here as well can um, help champion some of that stuff for you. So uh, best of luck. And again, thanks so much for carving out some time. Appreciate the opportunity and excited to get an invite back at some point. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks. Nice solid interview with Scott. Again, he's making uh, making an effort to to put Charlotte on the map as a as a healthcare um, kind of business startup scene. Um, I mentioned that I was at the event that they had uh, the NC Health Innovators event that they had at Inventus on July seventeenth. Um, great event, a lot of um, a lot of folks there, a lot of interest, um, a lot of people that are helping Scott push this along. I think it's got you know it certainly seems to have the the right pieces in place to to go further um, and I know Scott would certainly welcome uh, welcome additional people that that have insight have resources um, and have contacts to continue to help grow it so again check it out on meetup uh, make it out to the next event reach out to Scott personally uh, you can find him on LinkedIn as well as Twitter um, and see what we can do to continue to make Charlotte a a hub for business healthcare type startups um next week we'll welcome a, a new guest for for two interviews we've got robert reddick um, robert is a longtime member 
of the Charlotte startup community. His um, his startup experience experience dates back to the late '90s, early 2000s, when he had a um, a startup back at that point in time. Um, he has a new startup called Gate Staff that he's been developing for the last couple years. Um, I've known Robert for probably two, maybe three years now, and touch base with him from time to time. And I think now is the right time to bring him on and talk about the struggles of developing a startup. The um, uh, how you or how he's gone about doing it as he worked with a company and so it was a kind of a side hustle for a while and he stepped away so I think it's a right opportunity to sit down and talk to him about what's going right what would he have done differently and what he sees in the startup community here in Charlotte in general so please stick around next week for another edition of the Charlotte Angel Connection <laughs> William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.